0: Okay, here we go. Okay, so everyone is muted. Great to see you all. Let's uh, let's learn a little bit. I know it's getting close to Pesach. I'm sure everyone's very busy. Um, we'll just learn a little bit of Shmeer Salashan. We're in the ninth chapter. I'm just literally going to read one single line. So it's, uh, it's a good line to read. And he writes, and this is a quote from a Medrish from Parshas Kiseitze, that says, Kol Hadiburim Shumidaber Hakol Lemala. That whatever we say gets recorded above. Um, something we, we know in the back of our mind is something we say actually on Yom Kippur. Uh, we think about the, the precision of God's ju- judgment, and it's something that we try to block from our minds most of the time. To think about, to imagine that every single word that comes out of our mouth is actually recorded is a bit of a scary thought. It's one that we could relate to right now. We know that all of our search history and all that good stuff is all recorded, um, and perhaps as a, by way of analogy, but every single word that we say, all those not just the text messages, but all the words that come from our mouth, they are all recorded. And what he is asking us to do uh, is to think about that, just simply to remind ourselves, again, the purpose of this this book, Shemir salashon is not to tell you the laws of... Uh, not to tell you the laws regarding Shemir salashon of how we're supposed to speak uh, because most of those laws, again and I'll say it for the millionth time, we know most of these laws. What we do need reminders for uh, is the importance of, of of watching over ourselves and just those simple reminders simple lessons just simply, you know, remind us of the importance of thinking twice before we speak. So whether it's speaking about others, whether it's perhaps losing our cool and saying something we don't want to say emailing something we don't want to email uh, by the way, great little trick um, I know many people do. I do this. Uh, don't go through my email. But I, sometimes if I'm feeling uh, very strong about something, perhaps I'll write a strong response and then I'll just put it away in those drafts. Um, it's hidden, so you can't find it that easily. Uh, but the point is that just simply having a chance to express yourself. But the, the messages that we do share that are hurtful, um, all of that is recorded. And the Chavetz Chaim is asking us to reflect upon that. Okay, that is it for Shemir HaSelashon today. I really want to spend a little bit of time talking about counters. Okay. Um, So historically, uh, we're talking about kashering counters, that is for Pesach. Okay. So um, there are all different types of counters. And before we talk about counters, let's just talk about kitchens. Because perhaps for many of us, not that long ago, a few decades ago, not even, the kitchen was kind of in the back of the house. Uh, David Brooks, in one of his books, I think, Social Animal, I think has a whole piece about the evolution of kitchens, You know, we all had kitchens growing up, right? But kitchens were in some ways an afterthought. They weren't, there was where we cooked and where we ate. And we wanted to have a nice kitchen, but it wasn't it. It wasn't the be-all and end-all. Nowadays, kitchens more or less are bleeding into our dining rooms for a reason. Um, Because our kitchens are places where we end up Hosting. People spend a lot of time in those kitchens. Our kitchens are our are, are source of pride, um, more so than most rooms in our house. Our kitchens are really part of our hosting. Um, part of the again, it's kitchen, kitchen, living room, dining room, and kitchen. They're all part of our house. And for that reason, okay, and for that reason, it's you know what used to be appropriate. We used to people used to say just cover your counters. Okay? Now, you know, when, when we moved into our home over here and we got uh, granite countertops, if I were to even dream of telling my wife that on Pesach we should cover our counters, she would laugh at me. Cover those beautiful counters? you got to be kidding me. That, no way. You know, the whole reason we, we put all this work into making a nice kitchen was so that we could have those counters. They're easy to use. They're easy to clean. And to put these, you know, whatever the, the plastic material, um, it's not so simple. That said, that said, if you want to make your life easy, And you want to do a very clean and easy job um, to kosher your counters. You could skip koshering your counters and just cover those counters. What do they need to be covered with? Really anything that is somewhat thick. doesn't have to be that thick. Um, You know, you could honestly, if you don't, you know, some people have the pre-cut, what are they called? Uh, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about, that plastic stuff that people that people buy, and you can cut it perfectly to size, and you could tape it down with um, some, ta- uh, some water-resistant tape, and that's great, okay? That's great. Um, if you don't have that, and most of the stores are closed right now, you could honestly just cover with cardboard. That works just fine. It'll get a little messy, you're going to start spilling on it, and your cardboard's going to start getting a little not so nice, uh, but it technically works. Uh, so you can put cardboard if you really want and you can make, you know, you can put cardboard and then put a little plastic tablecloth on top of it and you are fine. That's all you really need. It doesn't have to be perfect. As long as the place that you're putting your, um, the place that you're putting your items on, uh, goes onto those, the plastic that or the cardboard that is just fine. Okay. So that is a simple way to do this and no, no mess totally, totally fine. For those of you who have granite, and there are a number of other um, countertops that are kosherable, some are, some aren't. I'm just going to talk about granite for right now. Um, If you have specific questions about particular types of countertops, uh, that's fine. But let's just talk about kosher and granite uh, countertops. For some of you who've asked me this question in the past, I do apologize. I've done some research and I've kind of gone back on something I used to tell people to do. So apologies ahead of time. Uh, I see some faces. Uh Uh-oh, I'm sorry. Um, If you koshered already, I'll be coming over if you want with a mask and koshering for you. Okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Sorry, Lisa. Uh, Okay, here we go. So let's just explain the principle behind koshering uh, a, a countertop. Essentially, your countertops... Most of the time, your your countertops are kind of kosher because the things coming into contact, your your food doesn't typically come into contact with them. What most often happens is that things spill over onto your countertops, right? There's spills. That's why when you clean your countertop, um, you'll see they're they're usually pretty dirty, even though you didn't necessarily notice that before, because things are spilling. Okay, so let's say you have a pot of soup or whatever it is, and now you have some chicken soup that's spilled over. So now you have the, the blios, literally the, the, you know, the flavor from the chicken soup, so to speak, caught, trapped in your countertop. And the way koshering works is that you have to recreate the same level of heat that caused the thing to, re- to assume a certain flavor or a certain status. You bring it back to that same level of heat. And in doing so, that removes the, the non-kosher or the chametz. From the item. So, um, you know, let's say you have your, your dishes, you know, which, uh, you know, let, let's say your oven. The reason, yes, last week we saw it with Kashring ovens, you put it on to its highest is because the way your oven was used throughout the year and we know that it couldn't have reached a higher than, you know, being an hour on for 500. That's presumably the highest thing or on self-clean. And so basically you brought it back to the same level of heat and that essentially, that brings out those flavors that were trapped in it. So the same is going to be true for your countertop and sink. Um, The same thing is is taking place. Um, That what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring yourself up to that same level of heat. So let's say the most common thing that is getting into your countertop countertops or your sink is spillage, is basically liquids that are falling onto your countertops. That's it. You're typically not putting boiling hot steak on your countertop. Although, it could happen, we actually don't worry about it since that's not taking place most of the time. Even though it could happen, and you may even know that that's happened, we actually don't worry about it. If we would worry about it, we would actually have to kasher on a different level, but we're not going to go there because since most of the time, doesn't happen that way we don't have to worry about that okay i'm giving you a lot of introduction just so you'll have all the principles okay so practically what does this look like if things are spilling into it um so basically what you want to do is you want to create the same level of heat with liquid that is being spilled on your countertop okay so the classic way that people have kosher their let's say granite countertop which is something which could be kosherable, is they would take a kettle Okay, um, a hot kettle that, that water boiled in that kettle, and then they would pour it over their countertop, and in doing so, they've created that same level of heat. Okay, that's the classic way to kosher it. What I do want to do is spend a little bit of time explaining how to do so in a way that's not so messy, because I know that I've done it many times and it's created a tremendous mess. Aside from all the water, hot water flying everywhere, um, it's really stressful. It's really messy, um, and it's 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 just a big mess and a bit of a hassle. Um, so I, I do want to mention that I have in the past mentioned to people the usage of steamers, industrial steamers, um, and there's a lot. There was a lot of discussion about using industrial steamers Uh, the the thinking was that if the steamer is able to bring forth a certain amount of water, many of the steamers, you put it close enough to the the countertop it it has a certain amount of water and then the steam itself is so hot that it's able to attain the same level as boiling water then it's good enough to kosher the problem is that I have been speaking to many, many people and hearing from many, many cautious agencies, and I know this is the year I'm supposed to be giving you more leniencies, uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like, there, if in your past years, your, your countertop was not trafe. but I cannot, in good faith, recommend doing it. Um, it doesn't seem like it's able to attain that level of heat that's really necessary. I'm sorry. I know I did tell, tell some people this in the past, and I was looking for, I bought an industrial steamer. Um... I'm sorry for any spent money. For those of you who bought industrial steamers because of me, um, it's, 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 it just doesn't reach the heat. I Actually, even when I was doing it last, last year, I kept on feeling it after. It, I'm putting my hands even by the steamer. It doesn't maintain the regular heat. I spoke to someone in Star K the other day who speaks offline for the Star K. He said there's one steamer he knows of that's like $1,200 that breaks often. in. Uh, that's the only system that he knows that you could buy uh, that actually has that appropriate level of heat that he's measured. Bottom line is that even the industrial steamers that you could buy on Amazon that many of us bought... Um, you can use them to steam your clothing, but I wouldn't recommend using it for your counters. And I'm sorry. I do apologize. Okay. But I do want to walk you through koshering your countertops, which is not going to make a big mess. I want to explain some of the principles. Okay. So what I, what I used to think was that the, the principle of, of pouring the hot water, okay, this is going to get a little detailed over here, a little granular. So bear with me, but I think this is important. I used to understand, I used to assume that you, the the principle is that you have to ensure that the hot water is hitting every part of the surface. You can't just pour hot water and then let it all just like flow. By that time, at the time it's flowing down your your counter, um, it's losing some of the heat. So basically you want it to be direct contact. But... But it doesn't have to mean that you're going to go back and forth over your countertop, essentially, um, every single line. In sp- in, in, let, me, let me to explain. Meaning, the, you, know, you could essentially assume that one line of a thin, thin stream. A thin stream is about a hand breadth. Okay? You with me? So that's a lot longer. So it doesn't mean... So basically, if you're going up and down your countertop, basically, you have one... Thin stream, very, very thin. Let me take a step back. Boil some hot water in a urn or kettle, okay? Like a handheld kettle, okay? Everyone have handheld kettles for Pesach? Okay, even if you don't, that's okay. If you have a handheld kettle that's not for Pesach, you could still use it to kosher, okay? Just don't use it for 24 hours, okay? Um, Again, koshering could be done with a non-kosher for Pesach utensil as long as it wasn't used for 24 hours, Okay, If you do not have a kosher for Pesach one or a non-kosher for Pesach one, it would be my honor to lend you one. I will leave it on my doorstep and we will not uh, you know, come into contact with one another. And you could pick this up um, from me and I'll be happy to lend it. Basically, what you're then doing is this. You boil the hot water. Okay, Now, once it's boiled, the water in that kettle is what we call a Kli Rishon. Halachically, it has a certain level of heat. So you don't have to immediately start spilling all the water out. Once it's on that level... Once it's on that level, you could take your time and make a very, very, very thin stream, very thin stream, and you could estimate. You don't have to drive yourself crazy. You could estimate about the size of a hand from the middle of that stream, just just estimating. Again, if your stream is going over here, you could assume that about this much, because the water is basically spraying just a little bit, that initial hit of the water, that's okay. That's considered all part of the initial um, initial water that that's coming out and therefore that's not a problem. Okay? So on your typical countertop, um, it's, it does take some time. But you could do it slowly. You do one layer, you do a layer back, you take a towel, you can wipe it up. Okay? You don't have to let water go flying everywhere. You can do another layer. You could do another layer back, wipe it up. Okay? Another layer, another layer back. You could wipe it up. It shouldn't be so messy. It doesn't have to be so stressful. It will take a little bit of time, but it shouldn't take too much time unless you have a huge kitchen. Um, It shouldn't take that long, again, each Urn full or each kettle full should be able to get a decent amount if you're pouring a very very thin stream again Don't make a mess it should be again. It's gonna have water on your counters But it shouldn't be a ton of water a very very thin stream as thin as it could be uh, Estimate about a hands breath and then go over the counter back and forth You could stop in the middle wipe it down go back at it keep on going um, Until you have to boil another kettle again. It really shouldn't take more than I think about maximum an hour, uh, for even a large kitchen with a bunch of counters, uh, maximum an hour, again, doing it slowly, just back and forth and then wiping it up if you want so You can keep on going back and forth and do it really fast, uh, but it's going to make a big mess. So if you want to do it in a stressless way, um, just go back and forth and, and all of that. Does anyone have any questions? Because I know this is a bit, uh, a little bit confusing sometimes, koshering with Iroy. Any questions? Feel free to unmute yourself or type. Any questions? No? Nope. Okay. Um, so that's basically – that's ba- so the other thing you want to keep in mind is like with all things that you're costuring, you don't want to use it for 24 hours prior. Okay? Uh, you don't want to use it for 24 hours prior. Um, and the same thing would be true for a sink. Now, there are some who go ahead and they, um, you know, they don't want to kashur a kasher sink for a whole host of reasons. You could use the same process for kashuring a sink. Um, again, you have to angle yourself a little bit. Uh, it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect, but basically you're angling yourself and going basically back and forth along the walls of the sink um, and then the bottom of the sink. That's essentially the, the kashuring process. Um, you want to clean the sink before again, just like you want to clean the counters, the sinks are a little bit harder to clean. Um, and that's essentially how you kosher using this pouring process for, um, that's how you go ahead and, and, and kosher that whole, the, 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 the sink as well as the countertops. It really shouldn't take more than an hour. And if you do it slowly, again, it is once the water was boiled in that urn, and again, it doesn't have to be a kosher for Pesach one. It could be a non-kosher for Pesach one, just wait 24 hours until, um, from, from the last time it was used um, with anything else, and then you could just use it. The counter has to be cleaned, can, could not have been used for a while, for 24 hours, um, and the sink. same thing for the sink. Now. Um, does the faucet, great question, let's see, does the faucet have to be covered with foil? The faucet does not have to be covered with foil, um, basically, you want to uh, go ahead and you could just, again, clean your, clean the, clean the knobs, clean the top, you want to just pour water over it, at the best of your ability, uh, over, your, over your sinks, um, you know, they say they're really, really high, like if you have a really new kitchen and you have a really high sink, uh, faucet. Um, some argue you don't even have to kosher it because it's too hard for anything to really get into it. Uh, but to be safe, you just, again, pour water over over it. Um, they say ideally you don't want to pull it out. I forget what it's called, but when you pull out the, the, the sink, there's a word for it, um, it, it it's hard to, to clean that whole area. So basically on Pesach, you want to ideally just keep it closed uh, because it's really hard to clean out. Uh, that's more of a pragmatic thing than anything else. Okay, any other questions about, so that basically, um, we've more or less covered our, okay, well, I've seen people put some sort of filter in the faucet spout. It's not necessary to put a filter. No, um, clean it, you know, clean it to the best of your ability. Um, you know, usually you could actually just screw it off easily. If you can't, then don't, but some of them screw off easily. You just kind of pour some water through it. It cleans out it easily. Um, how can one manage not to use a counter or the sink for 24 hours before koshering? Um, again, it's important to note and I'm going to say that I'm going to be very, very careful. You could use your sink and your counters for cold. Okay, some say don't use it at all. As long as it's for cold, then it's fine. Okay, so um, you could be using your counters. You could be getting drinks from your, from your faucets. You could be filling up things. Just don't put, don't use your sink for hot things. Don't pour hot things on your sink. Don't put hot things down on your countertops for 24 hours. Like we said before, Shabbat, Matzah um, Shabbat this Saturday night is probably your best and easiest time to kosher. Possibly depends on what your kitchen looks like uh, because many there wasn't too much hot, too many hot things in your kitchen. Okay, does that? sound about right okay um, I know that's a little more work than those who've used the steamers in the past um, and that's essentially all you have to do for cashing that area um, let's stop here let's stop here so let's just review what we have more or less covered everything um, so far in the in the house the only things we're going to talk about still are tables Um, Let's see. You know, basically, we've more or less covered, I think, almost everything. Uh, We'll have a few more minor things to cover in terms of kashering. We'll still talk about some of the laws of Pesach itself um, over the course of this week, uh, just to have us really up to speed. But that is more or less the kashering process. The most difficult, as we've spoken about, is an oven that's not self-clean. A stovetop, regardless, might have some work, and the countertops, if you don't want to cover them, um, do necessitate a little bit more work. If you do want to cover them, that's fine, again, it's not very pretty, uh, but it is a very easy and simple way. You just throw a piece of cardboard on it, uh, cut up a box of cardboard, it doesn't look pretty. Not too many people are coming to most of our houses this year, so it, it might be the right time to do it. If you want, I know most people will probably opt not to do that, but the pouring of the water, if it's not clear, please, please follow up. I know personally, that's always the most stressful part of koshering, um, so feel free to call me. I I think if it's done in this fashion, again, slowly, um, it doesn't have to be too stressful. It should should take, it should be, you know, I think it could be done uh, within uh, within about an hour or so for, for a regular size kitchen. Um... And that's all we have for kashring today. Um, Okay, not our most exciting class. Um, Sorry. Um, Okay, and we are going to say some Tehillim, as we have in the past. It's an appropriate thing to do during this time, um, as there are, unfortunately, we've had a doubling up of cases here in Maryland, um, of people who have tested positive. And uh, I'm sure many of you have been in contact with people in our immediate community who have uh, been tested or dealing with some symptoms. So um, unfortunately, um, it is a little bit close to home, um, and we are certainly feeling that. I know Governor Hogan, if you heard what he said the other day, certainly is concerned that um, the president's April 12th um, suggestion may not be so practical. Maybe the time that we as a community are going to be dealing with it.
1: We changed it to the 30th of April. Right,
0: right. I was saying, that yes, yes, right. No, the, exactly, yeah. And the governor is kind of concerned about uh, what's going to happen in the next two weeks over here. Um, I do want to add, if anyone has any guests they were considering coming from elsewhere, please, please, no one should be coming to Baltimore uh, at all, at all from anywhere. It is a really, really bad idea for people to be coming from elsewhere. I just unmuted everyone. Um, we're going to say some Tehillim together. Um, and thinking about the people in Maryland, let's say
1: uh, the 20th chapter. LAM NATSEACH MIZMAR LIDDAVID YA'AN CHA DOYNAI BIAM TZARA YISSAGEV CHASHEM YISHLACH EZRECHAH MIKAYDESH UMITZIYAH EN YISODAKAH Yezkar <speaking> kom in chay secha, vay lascha, ye dash nasela, ye lecha chilva vecha, vecha niranin secha, uvishay male hinu nidgal, ye male Ata, ya, da, ti, ki, ay, shi, adon, ai, mishi, hai, yane, yo, mishme, kachai, vig, vurai, si, ay, yimin, ai, ele, vareche, vi, ele, vasusim, anach, nu, vishem, adon, falu, vah, nah, nu, kam, nu, vanni, sa, dad, adon, vi, ai, mkare,